today on the pod, welcome to the Freemium Podcast. I'm Curtis Killen. This is Mr. Jacob Geller. Jacob Geller and I actually go quite a ways back. We weren't like super, super close friends. We knew each other from Parks Program. Jacob, thank you for starting 10 minutes late. I know you're pressed, not pressed for time, but we need to be punctual and on time in order for today. So welcome to the Freemium Podcast. Thank you. Excited to be here. Ladies and gentlemen, we got Jacob Geller in the house of paper. We're going to talk about the company, Montreal-based company. I don't know a lot about the company, and that's what we're going to talk about today, amongst other things. Great. And um, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks, man. I've, I've been watching it online and uh, got a shout-out a couple episodes ago. Got yeah. that sent to me from a couple friends. And <laughs> so, you know, connected with you and just excited to be here, man. So thanks for welcoming me on. I think it's awesome you're doing this. Um, Appreciate that. And uh, you were telling me before we, you know, went live here that you've been doing it for almost a year. And... Yeah. Um, I was wondering, not to steal the question asking here, have you crossed the point of like people making fun of the fact that you have a podcast to people now yes. being interested in it? Because I, I watched that with my brother. He's an influencer, okay. he's a creator. Okay. And it went from so cringe, oh my God, I can't believe he makes videos to, you know, I actually went to high school with him. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, funny enough, my brother's not an influencer per se, he's a YouTuber as well. Okay. But um, yeah, definitely crossed that point. I mean, there wasn't that many. I think maybe because I also run a business, they maybe took it a little bit more seriously, but I'd hear through the grapevine people talking shit and stuff like that. And I'm sure there still are people talking shit, but I would definitely say that I've, I've crossed that line now. And it's actually a lot easier to get guests now. I'm sure. Like you're a rep, you like you have, you're a, you're a professional, you're a businessman, you're a professional, you guys, you work at a nice company and stuff like that. And it's at the very beginning, I was having difficulty getting guests. Sometimes people would, yeah, yeah, I'll come on. They never come on. They right. don't respond. They ghost you. They do this. They do that. It's actually quite a bit easier now. And I've, I've had a few people come up to me um, and ask to be on the podcast. It's amazing. Good yeah. for you. Congratulations. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. So <clears throat> I got a lot of questions about paper. And we can go about this a couple of different ways. Sure. So here, we'll, we'll just start. So paper, is it, do you, when you tell people, you're like, do I work at, pa- uh, when I, if someone goes, Jacob, where do you work at? Are you going to say Paper Co. or just Paper? I work just at this paper, company. Just paper. I work at a company called yeah, Paper. So paper. Talk, talk to us about Paper and how you guys are in the education space, how you guys are, are like, what's your vision? What's yeah. your why? Why do you guys exist? Talk to us about the company that you're at right now. Well, the reason I think the reason for the question of Paper Co. is our website is paper.co. And yeah. so, so people see that all the time. The only reason that's our website, we're not trying to be like PepsiCo or something like that, is because paper.com is owned by Office Depot. And we have been trying to buy that web. It's a redirect to Office Depot to go and buy actual paper. And we've been trying to buy that website for years. How much? Uh, how much is it? I'm just curious. Do so you know? it's, in, it's a lot of millions to, to buy that Jeez. web. Yeah, just so for that domain name. Just the domain name. And, and they're also not selling it. Uh, and so... <laughs> and, and so um, and so that, that, that's why people think of us as paper co. Cool. Uh, I do sometimes like lose sleep thinking about how many people are emailing me Jacob at paper.com and I'm not seeing those emails. I'm sure those it's a are, lot. I'm sure it's a lot. Right. Yeah. And so, so that's the, the story of the co, uh, what's the company about? Um, so we're an education company. We're an educational technology company yeah. uh, in the ed tech space. A lot of people don't know what the ed tech space really is. Um, if you went to school here, um, you know, Omnivox, Moodle, Minerva, any of those systems you might've used in school, yeah. kind of terrible. Um, I remember you know, Omnivox from John Abbott. Yeah. Not, not sexy. Right. No. Uh, and, but if you think of other great ed tech, you think like Duolingo, Grammarly, uh, Google classroom, Kahoot, things like that. That's also ed tech. Um, that's on the B2C side. Okay. We're a B2B player. We work with school districts, uh, sometimes individual schools, but typically school districts in the U S 
and occasionally entire states um, or counties. Huh. What we do and what our mission is, is what's called educational equity. This idea that uh, different kids are coming in with really different resources. There's a kid who can pay 500 bucks an hour for private tutoring, you know, and their parents don't even really bat an eye at it. There's the kid that has their whole life planned out. They've got job shadowing. Their parents have great careers. They can see this, but that's not the majority of kids. The majority of kids are going to be falling behind in school, not have the resources to pay for it, be too shy to put up their hand, be too shy to stay after school. Maybe they want to play sports after school, so they're not going to stay for extra tutoring. And so how do you build a resource that can support those students? And that, that was the idea. So when our founder left teaching, basically he was seeing that 10, 15% of his kids could just pay for whatever they wanted. Everything was good, but 80%, 85% of those kids absolutely were not. And you're asking to be to grade every kid on the same. Um, you know, even though their resources are different. He said, what if we flip the model? What if we work with the school, the school district and say, no matter who you are, no matter what type of home you go home to, you've got the resources. And so mm -hmm. what we built first was 24 seven tutoring. It's within 15 seconds on your phone, laptop, you can talk to a tutor, any subject, any language, um, and stay on as long as you want, all paid for by your school. What we've built since then is like a writing review, uh, add, you know, throw your essay on, get it back within 24 hours. We've got career shadowing, we've got internships, micro-credentials, we've got, um, for younger kids, like a literacy platform to learn to read. We've got math practice games that you go on and, and do different things on there. And so what we call ourselves is an educational support system. Um, not all our products are for every kid, but what we'll do is we'll partner with, you know, some of the largest school districts in the U.S. and say, what's your biggest problems right now that you guys need to solve? Okay, let's get those resources out to those kids and let's not have it cost the individual families a cent. So that, that's what we're about. And the school districts are paying for all this. Like school you districts said. pay for it. Yeah. Interesting. When I was on the website, you know, I'm looking around the website. I'm kind of like informing myself, and I want to ask good questions and be engaged, of course. <laughs> so when I'm doing that, I'm like, who pays for all this? Okay, you answered the question. That's right. What's it like getting those contracts or those deals, or you know, because most well, I, all school districts they're going to be unionized, right? Yeah. What's it like getting a contract with a union? How do you get a contract with a union? Well, I can't give away all the secrets. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it, 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 look, it takes time uh, and it takes, yeah. um, it takes a really like an obsession with uh, understanding your customer and understanding what their day to day is. And so, um, you know, I, I'm our head of sales and so I, and I always have been. And so I built out mm -hmm. um, our first, you know, I made all our, all our first sales and I built out our sales teams and our strategy and our go to market and, and so all the this. You're the perfect guy to ask. I'm the guy to ask, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, I never thought I'd work in sales in my life. I, I thought it was such a, you know, dishonorable career and a, a weird thing to do with your life. And, you know, my, my dad's a principal, mom's a teacher, grandparents are all okay, teachers. God, yeah, and so, yeah. okay. so I understand that world a little bit. Interesting. And so okay. uh, really what it came down to is you have to understand, I think like any sales job, what's going on in the person's life on the other side. Um, you know, where do you fit in? We're not everything to everybody and we, and we can't try to be. And so um, for a school district, it's about working with the leadership there. It's understanding that you're selling to an organization, not one person. Uh -huh. um, it's understanding their procurement process. Most deals and most ed debt companies will struggle because they cannot understand how you're actually going to be procured. And for a school district leader, they don't want to buy it bad enough to be the one to go figure out how to procure it. So you have to know how to do it, whether that's going out to an RFP process, you know, a public, What's RFP? Uh, request for proposal. Okay. So, um, you know, city of Montreal wants new Metro cars. They put out a bid for an RFP. Okay. In, in theory, probably not in Montreal. It's a fair process. Um, yeah. in Montreal, maybe not. You know, I think that's uh, that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> so what that does is then every company bids say, here's how we would, you know, service this contract. Here's our price. And then, 
um, what it's supposed to do is incentivize you know best prices for public industry and fair practice and does it end up being kind of the same thing and you can answer this or not answer this but <clears throat> i'll give you an example contractors in montreal are notorious for they'll get the bid yeah so let's say for example oh, i'll do this project for a million dollars so they'll start doing the project for a million dollars but then during the pro so just to get the contract yep. And then during the during the actual process, they'll go, oh, we forgot to include this, we forgot to include that, we forgot to do this, we forgot to do that. And to be honest, the city most of the time seems like they don't really care because it's not their money, right? right? And so that's kind of like how you make your your money on the projects. Is it kind of the same thing in this space? Because the reason I'm asking this question is whenever you're going to deal with someone and it's not their money, like I just find it interesting on like what their actual thought process is. So if you're dealing with unions or a school district, it's probably not going to be their money. Right. And I just feel like there would be more, I feel like it would just be like, yeah, 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 whatever, just add it on and stuff like that. Cause it's not their money. Like it, is there. So, so I'll, I will answer it. Uh, yeah. And so no, in ours, it's very, it's um, very regulated what you can charge extra to the, even to the degree of when we renew the second and third year of a contract, it's pre-negotiated how much we can increase the contract. Okay. Um, so, so that's all, all really taken care of got in there. It. So that, that's above board. That answers my question. Yeah. And okay. so, um, but on your point of it not being their money, here's, here's how complicated it gets for us, right? So a school district leader, it's not technically their personal money. And beyond that, they're not going to be the one using the product. So they're buying something for someone else, the students, with someone else's money, the, the community in theory. And so yeah. um, they have to be, so, so how do you get someone to be, sort of something that they're not going to use with money that's not theirs to be so compelled emotionally? Because it is a personal sale, right? There is a person making that decision at the end of the day. Yeah, of course. Um, to actually want to do this. And so then you have to tap into what's, what really is that person trying to do, right? Are they looking to build a legacy? Are they looking to move up in their career? Um, and so at that point, it does switch from a business motivation to a personal motivation in the sale. Hmm. Interesting. That answers my question. Definitely. So you're only allowed to increase it by a certain amount, a certain percentage, all this kind of stuff. If like they increase the years, scope, you, you can years. have that uh, pre-negotiated. And yeah, so we'll yeah, often yeah. put out tiers. If, let's say they start with, you know, only grades six yeah. through 12 in their school district. You know, we do K-12 in the U.S. Uh, yeah. And they want to add grades three through 12. It'll be pre-negotiated. Okay. And contracts of this, you don't have to give exact yeah. amounts again, but they're, they're in the millions of dollars, millions I, of dollars I would yeah. guess. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. Cool. What, what, what's the story? Let's back up a little bit. Yeah, what's sorry. the story? What's the, the <laughs> all good, all good. This is all interesting. Cause I'm just like, Hey, how do you guys like make your money? I, I, I thought it was just a private tutoring service. No, but, no, you can't even lot, buy it. If lot. you're, if you're a parent, you can't even, you can't even buy what we wow, offer. It has to go through the school yep. district. Yep. So you make a really badass product. You walk up to unions and teachers unions and say, Hey, I have this. It's going to help your students. You can get private tutoring whenever you want. Uh, can you buy this? The or unions are, we, are tricky, we, right? Because it's, you know, are we stealing their jobs, right? There's always that question. For uh, sure. Uh, you know, we're offering the tutoring. It's like, no, we're supporting it. You're overworked. But there, th that can be a contentious issue for yeah. us. So us getting on the same side as the union on the same side. So you got the unions, you have the school boards, you have the school administration, you have the general public, you have the students. And so there's a lot of different parties you got to kind of align in this deal. Whew. But it's worth it because the deals are big, right? And they renew because in yes. schools, when something's in a school, it stays. Yeah. Uh, it takes time to develop. And the work's good. Like you, like the, at the end of the day, right? I never thought I'd be in sales, but when I'm making cold calls and I'm pushing my team and I'm reading, did they read my email? And I'm playing all those sales games that we play, we can get into it. At the end of the day, like we're helping kids who could not afford this actually do better in their life. And, it, and it's cool to see. And like, we see it, the, the grades move on these kids. It's really cool. Okay. So I have another question now. So if you're selling it to a school district, and I understand like what you guys are trying to do. You're trying to basically give any student access, whether they're rich, they're poor, yeah. they're in the middle class. You're trying to give them access to additional 
tutoring services. So this is outside of the classroom while they're doing their homework, for example, stuff like that. Yep. The data that you guys are seeing, is it still, does it still end up being, I guess we'll call it the kids with more money. Are they the ones that use the product more than the poor kids? Oh, that's a great question. And this is always the fear, right? It's like, do we buy this for the poor kids yeah. and the rich kids end up like using I'm just, it? I'm just thinking like inner city Baltimore or something sure. like that where the kids aren't going to class anyways. Like, or why would they use this product? You know what I mean? Yeah, so, so we have to be really targeted in our approach. So we'll launch with uh, a, a good example is Palm Beach County. Um, so, yeah. so in Florida, they run county systems. So all the school districts are gigantic. So in Palm Beach County, um, they have, I think 230,000 students at their school district. And like for context, Lester B. Pearson, I don't know if you went through there, it's like 25,000 kids. Okay. Um, and so they procured us a few years ago for six through 12, called 105,000 kids. Uh, and when we just started, you just leave it out there for everybody who uses it, right? The rich who are already doing well to do a little bit better. Kids with A's getting A pluses. Yeah, and they're like, I'm just trying to think if I was a rich kid or a rich parent, I'm like, oh, awesome. Now the tutoring's paid for. I don't have yeah, to spend. Exactly. It's, I'll get to save a thousand dollars a week. But it's not what they it bought is. it for, right? And so yeah, we yeah, had yeah. we had to kind of pause three months in with them and say, hey, we got to change our approach here. And so what we did is uh, there's something called Title One schools, which is effectively schools where majority of the students would qualify with for what's called the free and reduced lunch program, meaning that. Uh, their parents are below a certain socioeconomic level. Mm -hmm. And so we went and we said, okay, we're going to send our team. That we, so we hired an on the, on the ground team down in Palm Beach there. We're going to send them just to those schools. And they're going to go push the usage. We got the uh, local news to come. We put up a billboard on the highway there, like in front of the, all those schools. And so what it did is it got the usage numbers towards who they really bought it for. Hmm. So you, but you can't just leave it and hope that the right kids use it. It won't work. Got it. You have to show yeah. face. You have to like, get that's involved. Right. You have to. That's right. And, you like know, any Eng time in sales. English language learners, that's a, that's a super important community. Um, and a lot of times the money that schools are paying for this for is coming from budgets that are put aside for those students, right? And so you have to make sure that you're actually having the impact on those kids. Um, and so we have a team that we, so we acquired a few companies last year. One of them uh, had this amazing kind of research arm to it out of Harvard Education. Okay. And they, what they'll do is they'll go work with a school district and say, give us all your data, we'll ingest it, and we'll tell you where the gains are happening for which kids so that you, you can then go back to your board or to your you know public who is paying for this and saying, yeah, this investment we're making is paying off or is not paying off. Do you think in some cases the school fire system is too far gone? In the sense that, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's it's beyond the education system. It's like the actual socio socioeconomic conditions of a lot of the kids, um, and it's like it's, it's like literally it's just too far gone, and it's probably better just to start from scratch. The, the school system itself. Yeah, like it's just. I just feel like in, and I'm not an expert on the subject, but I just feel like there are definitely places where it doesn't matter, especially like young boys, where yeah. no matter what you, they're just not going to go to class. Right. And they're dropping out at like, like after grade six. Right. Exactly. No, like, it's, and I'm, I'm talking about cases like that. Do you think those places there are, and not, and this isn't the, the mission of paper code to get everyone by yours is it's like an additional product to help kids learn stuff. But yeah, so yeah. this is kind of a separate question, but more of the bigger picture. Do you think there are some places that the school the school system is too far gone and kind of so i think the focus of it is is wrong and i think i've seen it change in some in really great schools and it's not just your like rich private independent schools yeah um so 30 percent of kids in the u.s graduate from a four-year college but everyone is basically pushed towards it when they go into when they go into their school right that's like you go to you go to the four-year college whatever okay. school that that's 30 percent 30 percent graduate um okay. and so think of that Think of that every kid that's coming through there, that kid in grade six is being pushed towards that. Yeah. When in the reality, they really shouldn't be, right? They should be being exposed to other opportunities uh, from a young age. They should be seeing that you can become a nurse or 
um, trades. You could do the trades right yeah. away, right? And Google, so Google, you could do like do anything, right? Yeah, learn, yeah. learn to do computer science. Yeah. Uh, they should be teaching financial literacy. I've seen stats that like 40% of the world works in some version of a sales role, right? Whether it's customer facing or whatever else. Yeah. Almost no schools are going to teach that to you as no. you go through it. And so it's a we need to real we need to what we need to. And so we actually our biggest acquisition this year was a career um, and tech, career and college platform. Um, and so we've integrated that into our product because our bet, our, our big bet where we're going is um, that there's a really low ceiling on just academic motivation for grades. Mm -hmm. it's, it, but academic motivation tied to actual motivation of what I want to do. And so we did all this polling and was like 95% of kids said they would like school more, their attendance would go up, they'd use resources if it tied to stuff that would actually get them a job, if it actually tied to the real world. And so now what we're trying to do in a lot of great schools in the U.S. is so far ahead of us on this is by the time you're in grade six, you're being exposed to becoming a mechanic or an electrician or a plumber or whatever else. Now you're taking your math class and it's showing you what's relevant in that math class to what you actually want to do. By the time you graduate, you may have done an internship, an apprenticeship, and you may go work right away rather than everybody being funneled towards the post-secondary traditional mm -hmm. system. You do the English or history degree and it's no hate to that, right? It's for some people, but now two years in, you realize you didn't want it. Well, you're 80K in debt. Yeah. You're behind your friends. You feel embarrassed. You feel like you failed out of things. Yeah. And, and you can't even get a job to pay off exactly. the debt. Exactly. And so, and so what we have in, in the U.S. particularly, I know the U.S. more than here, 99% of our business is in the U.S., but okay. um, we, we've got a crisis of engagement with students. We're not engaging with kids in a way that makes sense to them. And like one of the terms we always use is oh. that school is built for people that would have rented a movie at Blockbuster. There's not a kid in K-12 today that's ever stepped into a Blockbuster. <laughs> no, no. Do you remember those nights, those Friday nights? It's incredible. Oh, man. Incredible. I, I and you get two movies. I get a video game, too. It was incredible. Yeah. Walk in. There was all the candy, like, on the way out. That's right. Grab some candy. Grab some popcorn. You get there sometimes. Fuck! The movie's <laughs> out of stock. Can't get any more. That's actually kind of, When you think about it, you couldn't look up if it was going to be there or not. You drive there <laughs> yeah. with hopes and yeah. dreams to get the new movie. This is not that long ago. This is it's like not that long 15 ago. years ago. Yeah. It's not that long. I mean, I'm 34. It's when I'm 20. It's not. It's, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, and I, I had a one video store, like Valwa video near me, and their movies were pretty shit. But then <laughs> we would go. It was a bit further. We'd get to go to the Blockbuster. And that's, yeah. yeah, that was a good night. And they always had in the back, like in the kind of the grungy video, <laughs> the video rental places <laughs> that have all the porn plays in the back. It was so funny. Oh, I never went in there. I never, <laughs> I never, no, I couldn't even dream of it. It's you go in there when you're like, you walk in with the boys and you're, and you're one of them who pop out and go, <laughs> anyways, just boys being boys when you're like 14. <laughs> um, okay, interesting. I'm very impressed by how much you know about this topic, by the way. I, I expected you to know about oh, this because it, it is your, you work in this profession. But I'm very impressed so far with uh, you're able Thank to articulate you. a lot of things. So here, let, let's back up. Let's actually back up this let's time. Back up. What's the story of paper? How did this thing get started? So story is, um, so Montreal founded company. Um, we like to say founded out of, out of McGill, McGill Education. So our founder, Phil Cutler, um, he graduated education, started working as a teacher. Um, he had had a couple other ventures in the, uh, kind of in the education space, whether it's a tradi more traditional tutoring company, uh, runs a, a day camp that has a pretty heavy education focus, STEM focus. Um, and then in 2014, he started what was called Grade Slam at the time. Um, I think it was actually called Loris Educational Services first, and the camp is called Loris uh, Summer Camp. So it was like a spinoff of the camp. Um, became Grade Slam very quickly. Um, and I like that name, Grade Slam. We liked it too, um, but people thought it was called Grand Slam, uh, including like the investment 
or the VC that led our Series A sent us a wooden plaque saying "Congrats Grand Slam" mm. engraved in, and we were like, "All right, that's probably time to change." Yeah. And the problem with grade was that there's a real movement away from traditional grading in schools, and so people thought we were a grade book every time we'd cold call. So we had to we had to get off of it. We needed a name that was a bit bigger for that's us. That's a question I'm going to ask you yeah. after. Um, but, um, so the story, yeah, so, so it starts out, um, he starts with the idea, kind of like I talked about before, level the playing field, flip the model to uh, working with the schools, the districts, and what if we could do this online, right? Well, that was the big bet. Everything we do is chat-based. We've got a bit of voice and, and some, like, whiteboarding yeah. now, but um, everything was, could. What, what if it was built for the kids of today, and it was a chat feature, it was iMessage with a tutor 24-7, found his co-founder, um, they, you know, from the apartment, coding it together, got it, did a bit of the, um, I don't think it was Y Combinator. It was, you know, one of the accelerators here in Montreal, um, which we have a pretty good scene here for getting off the ground as a, as a young tech startup. Um, landed a bit of cash, uh, got an office space. Um, I was actually working at Monster Energy at the time, um, along with uh, being a park leader. And I would drive the monster truck. And one of the other guys who was driving the monster truck with me what ends up being the first unpaid intern engineer at Grade Slam. Uh, and so when he starts there, I was working at another company and he tells me what they're doing. And I was watching Silicon Valley on HBO, that, that TV show. And yep. I was like, I want to be part of that life. And, and I had joined my company, which was great, but I joined it a this bit This is late. how many years ago? 10 years ago? About? So at this point, we're up to 2016, 2017. Okay. Um, and there's not much going on at the company yet. There's no customers or anything. Yeah. Um, and then he pitches me this idea like my friend Frank, um, he's like, hey, you should come work at, at Great Slam with me, man. You should, you know, at, at this point, I had quit my, my job. I was freelancing. Um, doing videographer stuff. Doing videographer. I was doing, uh, I was making YouTube videos, all sorts of stuff, making so money on YouTube. you wanted to be a YouTuber. Well, sort of, right? A little bit. Um, I mean, this is my big break, Curtis. You know, this, this, <laughs> this, this could go viral. Um, and uh, so he tells me. I hope it, it does. I hope it does, too. I hope it does, too. We got my brother to tweet it out. That'll get us the views. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so he, he says, come in, uh, you know, we're hiring for a manager of all the tutors. And I couldn't have been less qualified for that opportunity to be like the leader of all the tutors. So at this point, we probably had a team of 100 tutors, 50, 100 tutors. Uh, and I go in and I meet the two founders um, and I interview and I get a second interview and I get a third interview and it goes really well. I like really connect with these guys. I really, you know, my parents are in education. I get what they're about. I think I was 22, maybe 23 at the time. Uh, and, and then I get the email, you know. We've gone with somebody else. We'll keep your CV on file. Ah. Oh my God. I'm, whatever. Back to my YouTube dreams. Kicking the, kick the nuts. Kicking the nuts. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, whatever. Four months down the line, I get an email from, from the CEO saying, hey, man, you know, what, what are you up to um, these days? Would love to, to reconnect and talk about an opportunity. Uh, could you come by the office tomorrow? And so, so I say, sure. You know, I'm not really doing too much. I actually, I just signed a new kind of recur en enough freelancing business that my rent was paid. I was paying my whole life as, as a writer, videographer and, and editor. And it was pretty cool. Um, and then, but I go into the office and they sit me down and say, look, this isn't an interview. Um, you weren't really qualified for that first job that we talked about, but you really get what we're about. And boy, can you bullshit and talk with <laughs> us and, 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 and improvise. My background's in improv. Um, and so they're like, we want you to come in and help us figure out our product market fit. We have a job called marketing manager. It's like this government grant. We don't know how long it'll last, but we think that by the time we're the end of it, we'll be able to get you on salary. It sounded scary, but interesting to me. And they said, here's the deal though. You got to be here tomorrow morning. We got sales calls at 9:30 and 10. We want you to start listening to it. And so I went home that night. I talked to my parents. They were sort of, you know, very supportive, but also they're educators. So they're not as risky no. um, as me. And so no. kind yeah. of like, you know, are you sure about this? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but ultimately I said, fuck yeah. And, and I did it and, and I jumped in. It's the best bet I've ever made um, yeah. in my life. And it's, I pissed it's off everyone else, like my freelancing contracts. I canceled everything on the spot and, you know, but here we are. That it, it's uh, like when you make risks like that and, but they pay off, it's like such a good feeling. You make and a also too, it's it's definitely have, a risk on your side. Totally. Like, dude, at this point now, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a full blown startup. Uh, like they don't have any money. They're not sure that this it, is like the time where sometimes there's a message like, Hey, we're not going to hit payroll this week. Uh, definitely no, <laughs> definitely no insurance. We had a beer keg though. That was, that okay. was pretty sweet. Okay. Um, so it's one of those things like you're not sure if this company is going to be around in three months, six months, one year, two years, like no one knows. Well, it's like the question with the podcast, right? Yeah, everyone's like, what, where is Jacob working? I thought he went to university. What, yeah. what is that company? Grand Slam, Grade Slam. What the hell Grade is that? Sl- and now, yeah. you know, a lot of those people work with us now. So That's awesome. It's, uh, That's a cool story. It, it's been great. It's it, And the thing about making a bet like that, you're betting on yourself. Yeah. And it's a bit cheesy, but like you have insider information because you know how hard you're going to work. Yeah. You, you know, like yourself better. And so if you're willing to make that bet, um, and kind of work for it and, and be a little bit patient. And, you know, one of the sayings that, that we all love at our company is, you know, once or twice in your life, you're going to get an opportunity you don't fully deserve. Are you going to be ready for it? And so that's always been the way that we think about stuff. We're constantly preparing for when, you know, your growth is not linear in a startup like us. We'll grow 0%, 0%, 500%, 0%, 200% .00%, when you look at the different quarters. And so you're, you're chasing stuff. You're chasing that growth all the time. And it takes a specific type of breed, but man, is it addicting when you're in there. Yeah, sales is addicting. There's yeah. no better feeling than walking in somewhere, especially after a cool call and getting the sale afterwards. Oh and like converting them because they start off and it's completely normal. If you're going to walk in at, uh, off of a cold call, I don't expect them to be greeting me with open arms. Hey, how you do it? Like, no, you know, I, I don't know this person. They don't know me, no. but when you convert them and then by the end they trust you, cause that's all it is when you're trying to make a sale, right? right. You're just trying to get them to trust you by the end. That's right. That's it. Yeah. And I find if you actually do have ill intentions, I mean, you, you can be, there are salespeople who can be conniving and that kind of stuff, which I think long-term you're just going to shoot yourself in right. the foot. But the really good salespeople who are good salespeople over a prolonged period of time are great communicators and they're, they're honest and because the other right. people trust them. No, it, you got to have that long-term vision. I mean, our sales cycle can be a year, right? And I so, believe it. Yeah. So, um, Especially dealing with like a union or like sure, a school. Yeah, and and oftentimes schools only procure once a year. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I get um, it. so you gotta, you know, you gotta be hungry, but you can't be thirsty, right? Like yeah. that's one of the things we teach our reps all the time is, um, you, you got to get in there and, and you got to like really get to know the people and you got to, you know, really it's an emotional, what it feel like to meet with you is more important than what you said in that meeting. Right. Yes. And, so, and you showing up to their office and flying out and stuff like it's all the little things really do matter. Um, and in our industry, it's even more particular because you're dealing with executives, right? You know, superintendents, whatever else, managing billion dollar budgets, a re- team of 1500, 2000 employees, but there are also people who, who have elected to not work in private industry, to not work in for-profit in any way. And so they're often turned off by all things sales, all things businessy. Mm-hmm. And so how can you go in and still have to ask for the sale and make those cold calls while also not feeling like the people that they don't want to be having to interact with because they've chosen to spend their life in that. And so I think that's been my advantage is that I'm not, I didn't go to business. I, I went to Marinopolis Commerce for like a month. I was like, nope, get me back to theater, went back to musical theater and all that stuff. Um, and so really my background is in improv and understanding people, listening, accepting offers, all this and that. And so all the training I do with my team is, is foundationally based in the skills of improv and g- being able to have those real conversations with people. I have so many thoughts and questions running through my mind, just about like the <laughs> profile of the, of the person of who you're selling to. Well, what, okay. So this, and I'm going to ask a question. 
my father, one of his best friends, he works at a CJEP. So he's like the, yeah. he basically runs one of the CJEPs. And he was talking to my dad and he goes, look, because my dad's grown up in private sector. This guy pretty much his whole career has sure. been in the public sector. He tried to dip his foot in the private sector <laughs> for about six months. Didn't work out. But one of the things he said, he goes, everything moves so slow in the public sector with regards to like he works at a Canadian CJEP. He goes, yeah. everything's just super slow if you compare it to the private sector. So number one, is it like that dealing with these people? And I think the, the answer is going to be yes, because you're saying sometimes it can take up to a year for this to, for, or for the, the district to make a, a yeah. decision, whether it's a yes or a no, but like, what is the profile of the person you're selling to, not selling to the person you're trying to help or the district you're trying to help, you're speaking to the, the decision maker. What are they like? Yeah. So, so the ultimate decision maker, um, is the superintendent of a school district that, that's their title um and so that is someone who is a very specific profile and so we, we do we run this training called sell like a superintendent which is really all about learning to you know exactly who these people are what was their career path to get to this point uh, so so this person so that you can be as much like them as holy possible shit, this is a deep dive this is a deep dive this is a wow uh, we, impressive okay i'm, I'm listening go, <laughs> so go, go so the idea here is that to, is to understand that these are people who didn't just fall into this role. This is someone who decided to be a teacher. So somewhere, somewhere in them, they want to help people. They want to help kids. But somewhere else inside of them, they wanted to move their career forward. Because to become a superintendent, you probably have to be promoted six to ten times. And so the idea that we want to look for is someone who has had a history, when you look on LinkedIn or wherever else, um, <coughs> of chasing growth in their own personal career. Mm -hmm. Because that's the person who's more likely to make an investment like investing in paper for their school district. So mm. someone may have meant, went from a teacher to become a principal. Why would they do that? It's not typically for the money. It's they want mm -hmm. more influence, power, mm -hmm. um, and they want to have more impact. And then they go, that's not good enough. I got to get to central office, right? And they become uh, the coordinator of secondaries. Then they become the director. Then they become the assistant superintendent, the chief academic officer, the deputy so superintendent. So it's, it's a driven person. So you're looking for that, right? These are people, when we go to a conference, they're out till 2, 3 a.m., you know, singing karaoke and drinking, but they're also on the Peloton at 6 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. And then they're on, and then they're presenting at the, you know, as the keynote, and then they're calling back to their board meeting and negotiating teacher salaries. And so this is a very driven individual. And so we need people that operate like that because like buy from like. And yes. so we have a very specific profile of, of people that do well at our company. Huh. That definitely answers my question. So you <laughs> literally, you, you, you take them and you I know, I know a lot, you know, no one's ever asked me about this. I, I invested my whole twenties in this stuff. I've never got to tell anybody about it. So it's kind of nice. It's, yeah, I feel it's a little <laughs> bit therapeutic really. <laughs> so you, but you literally take this person and you study them and you're basically like, okay. Yeah. And this is how our pitch is going. Not, not pitch. I keep saying, I'm talking like a salesman, but like, okay, this oh, is how is we're going to try and get them to buy our product because ultimately, obviously the only way you can sell a product successfully is if you ultimately believe in the product. That's right. You have to think you have the best product in the fucking world. Like you have to think like yep. that if you're a salesperson, uh, obviously you believe in that. You believe 100%. that paper is like it's, it's the best product on the market. How many competitors are in the space? So just touching on that too, like before the, the obsession is with the customer and then the obsession is, and like our, our big saying is that our relationship with the customer is in their problem, not in our solution. We're not, ne we're never calling about paper. We're calling about your math scores or about your uh -huh. whatever else. And so that that's really important in, in our approach, uh, -huh. uh competitors. So now that we're this, so we made three acquisitions last year, like some of the different products I was talking about. So you just buy your competitors. No, we don't, we, no. So we actually bought to diversify. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, yeah. So, okay. so I'm in kidding, the, I'm kidding. in the 24 seven tutoring <laughs> space, um, you know, there's a, 
a plethora of, uh, you know, basically if you take the word tutor and add an I or a net or a dot com or a varsity or whatever else around the word, there's yeah. a company that's called that. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that is outsourced, uh, you know, overseas. And a lot of it's uh, a B2C play that has a B2B arm. But we're really like the leader in the work with the school district, the in, you know, institutional sales space. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, and so, but that's the most expensive product you can buy because you're paying for human time on the other side. You're paying for tutors, whereas everything else is true SaaS. And so all our secondary products, which are now becoming incredibly popular, um, you know, there's, we have competitors in the reading space. We have competitors in the career and college space. We have competitors in the math practice space, uh, in the writing review space, but as a system, there's really only a couple companies. You're thinking of, you know, some of these other companies that have gone and become platforms like we have. Mm. Um, you know, a power school is a really big one. Uh, Edmentum's a really big one. So some of these players, but these are all 30 to 50 year old companies um, that have, you know. And what was the term you kept saying? EdTech. EdTech. Ed education ed technology. Education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. EdTech. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Ed, just EdTech. So it's a big space. Huge, huge, right? Huh. There's tons of money in it. Wow. Yeah. And it's not going anywhere. School, no, it's, <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not. It's, it's not. Thing. It's definitely not. That's very interesting. Very, very interesting. I'd never heard of it before I got into it. I'd never heard of this. I, I knew some of those products I mentioned in the beginning. So but, yeah. I guess like the markets, well, obviously the market's bigger in the U.S. It's always bigger in the U.S. They're 10x the population amongst other things. But for, so is there any incentive at all to try and change some stuff here in Canada? Or nah, not worth your guys' time at the moment. I mean, look, if anybody's listening and wants us to meet with them, we will be there in person. Yeah. We'll bring breakfast. But look, we just are not. We're from here. We're just not well received here. We've, we've got a pretty cool deal with the Toronto District what, School why, Board. Why are you not well received here? You're talking I, Canada I in general know. or just Ca Quebec? I mean, Quebec's really bad, but uh, but Canada. Really? Yeah. It's, and you're Canadian. I know. I know. Fucked you, up. I know. You'd, not okay. You'd th you'd th I know. And we, you know what's, here's okay. what's worse? We'll go to speaking events and be criticized for not working in Canada. And we're like, we're trying. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I know. So... Uh, no, we'd, look, we'd, lo we'd love to. We, we would love to. And the problem that we solve exists here. Yeah. There's just less of a focus on solving it in the communities. And it's it, things do move slower. You could also say there's less of an so investment in so technology. They, they as move well. even slower. So the education system, education people just in general. And again, this isn't a yeah. knock on the public sector or anything. They just no, no, they no. move slower. It's different. It's different. So they move slower in the U.S. So it's already a slow moving industry. Yeah. And in Canada, it's even slower than the already existing slow moving in industry in the U.S. So here's what I'll say. I think the stakes are higher in the U.S. to get it right mm. because um, the poverty discrepancies are so, yes. so big in the U.S. And yes. the best way out of it is through it, through education and yeah. through opportunity. Um, and so not solving that in a place, you know, we've worked with Compton Unified School District, right? Like not solving that for those kids. The stakes are really, really high versus here. And it's not to say there's not communities like that, but there's better social programs, you know, whatever way you feel about that, that kind of are a catch-all. Whereas in the U.S., like, your chance, your lottery out of that cycle of poverty is through your school system. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to get, like, full-blown projects here in Canada. You'll get – it's getting worse, though. I mean, you could get some really rough spots in Toronto, Vancouver. Sure. No, Montreal, like – rough for us is not like rough and Compton, like not even close. Yeah, and we're like, 24 seven in French too. That's, that's it. And we still can't work here. <laughs> like all, all our tutoring is available in French 24 hours a day too. And still, it just, so are they, are they working with another, like one of your competitors or they just don't There's a, care? there's a, a Quebec uh, funded ministry thing called Allo Prof that exists. And it's run by the government. Yeah. Okay, so that's not going to go anywhere. It does, so no one uses it. Ask, well, ask any kid if they've ever used it. it's run by the government. No, no like, one well, uses well, it. Like and so <laughs> there's also, I think, a reluctancy to work with private industry here. It feels like education working with private feels like they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe what I'm, I'm touching the private. Yeah, like, I, I'm sure you get it. Like, it's 
So it's not that we don't want to. We'd love to. We'd, we'd welcome the opportunity, yeah. but it's, well, it's a shame because at the end of the day, it's the kids who suffer. That's right. It's, it's you know what I mean? That's right. And you, know, it's we, you know, we've done some interesting deals here, though. We worked we've worked with the Q, like the hockey league for five years uh, because every kid there. Yes, some of them are going to be in the NHL. You're going to be Sidney Crosby. But most of them aren't, right? Most no. of them are going to need an education. So we yeah. offer them. Ninety-five percent are, right? are not. And so we work with it, you know yeah. the WHL, OHL. We've always worked with them. We work with Canadian Olympic Committee. So every kid that's a carded athlete has access to our stuff. Uh, we've done Queen's University, York University. Like so, we've done kind of these secondary, tertiary opportunities in Canada, but not the traditional school system. And it's always remote. Always remote. Always remote. Yeah. And so the video, it's like I'm going to assume it's built on top of like so, like a Zoom platform. So it's or not video. Like it's not video at all. It's all it's all chat based. Um, huh. And so with audio, we were we were video, and kids hated it. They would use tape on the webcam and then just use our little chat box on the side. They really? didn't want to be on camera at all. I know. It, and so it was weird to us. And so they they pop it open, app, um, phone, laptop, iPad, whatever. Yeah. And then within 15 seconds, they're chatting with somebody. Some sessions will be 10 minutes. They want to stay on for a little bit, chat with a tutor. Uh, but we've seen like eight hours. If a kid missed school for two weeks, and they go and they cram and they stay on as long as they want. Huh. And is it is the product more used by people in elementary school or in high school or in post-secondary education? What's what's the most popular? So we're, we're a K-12 uh, offering, so we don't really do higher ed. Um, we have a little bit of higher K-12 ed. K-12 means there. kindergarten to grade 12, right? Yeah, so okay. I'm so used to saying that. Uh, yeah. You don't, <laughs> just speak, you don't sure. speak ed? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I was pretty sure that's what I meant, but I wasn't 100% sure. No, yeah. Uh, and so we're, I think our, I'd say our best uh, usage comes in middle school, kind of six to eight, which, you know, is the grades there. Um, yeah. But uh, down, you know, down below grade two is a little tricky. Um, once a student hits grade three, they can really use our platform well. And then, um, but the way they use it changes, right? The youngest kids will use our reading platform. Middle school, high school will use our tutoring really heavily. And then our older students will start to use the career platform where they can put in resumes, they can do their CV with us. They can like, um, so there's, there's kind of, you can kind of grow up with the platform. Okay, I want to kind of talk about a little bit bigger picture yes. now or stuff. So one of the questions I put in there, and you actually mentioned this a little bit earlier, so we're going to take a little bit of a segue. So grades. You mentioned that schools are moving away from grades, whatever that means. We'll get into this. But I, my question is, do you think that this movement away from grades is rewarding mediocrity as opposed to rewarding excellence? Like I keep hearing I'm not in this space, and maybe just the, the media and the content that I'm, I'm exposed hmm. to online is kind of, tilted one way as opposed to another but it's just like you keep hearing oh yeah schools are getting rid of grades everyone gets a medal or no one gets a medal at all it's like yeah. kind of it's just participation culture yeah all this bullshit yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that and it's um it's basically is this rewarding mediocrity and does this like i have my opinion I'll, I'll tell you it after but do you think do you have an opinion on on that question there did i explain that question well yeah no and i, and I understand what you're saying and i think um I think it's a little overblown in the like they're getting rid of grades and there's going to be nothing. I think that's where it's like the piece, the piece is missing. Yeah. So they, so grades traditionally are oversimplified because they're, they're, you know, when you go all the way back for schools and design for factories and all that, so it's like a, an assembly line for those kids. And so, yes. um, it's missing a lot of the actual skills that the kids are having. So a lot of schools are moving towards like project-based learning stuff or, uh, competency-based. And so it's not to say that they're not measuring understanding and proficiency on this. It's just they're changing it from standardized testing, um, which then comes out as saying, oh, they're not grading schools anymore. Um, so it, it's just a change in the way that they're doing it. It's really hard to get right, though, because like, how do you design any type of um, 
evaluation that can then serve everybody. It's, it's almost impossible. I don't, th- I don't think you can. Exactly. I don't and think you exactly, can. Exactly, exactly. And, and so there's no perfect system and we just have to kind of work no. within that framework. But that, that's, it's, you're not going to The best assignments that I see are ones that are framed as, you know, prove, me, prove to me that you understand X. And yeah. then you kind of leave it open-ended for, for that student. And you, you show proof of understanding towards something and leave it a bit open-ended for those kids. But like that works when you're in an independent school with 13 kids in a class. Yeah. And, like, and so it's really hard in the big systems because what else are you going to do? You got 40 kids in the class. You're worried about behavioral issues. It, so it's, it's hard. You got to pick your poison uh, at those big schools. So overall, what you're saying is that they are not necessarily just trying to move towards mediocrity and make sure that we don't hurt any kids' feelings. You're basically saying they're just trying to, I guess, like pinpoint and make it more specific to giving grades to people based off of their strengths, I guess you could say. That's what they're trying There's, to so, do. So it's less about the grades. I think it's more about, and this is really hard to measure because once a kid graduates, you can't really legally follow where they end up. No. Because the grade they got in school isn't a really good evaluation of how good the school was. It's what no. did they do with their life afterwards, right? Yeah. And so the push is towards placement into um, enrollment, employment, or enlistment in the U.S. If you had a child today, so let's say your kid is uh, 17 or just graduated okay. from high school here in Quebec, would you encourage them to go to a university today? It depends, right? Like I went to university and then I could say I don't really use my degree. I kind of do. My yeah. brother didn't go to university. My sister didn't go to university. And my, my parents are all educated. My family's all educators. So, so yeah. um, I, I think it would depend on the kid, which is kind of a cop-out answer. I'm pretty pro Sage here. I think it's a good system because for a really cheap amount of money, you can kind of stumble and figure out you don't want to go and invest all this yeah. time. And I'll agree with you there. I would um, agree. It's like, a, yeah. it's like 200 bucks a year. Yeah, yeah. Like 60% of kids change. It's, it's change. high school. Exactly. And so it's school, like this yeah. test run that I think yeah. is a pretty good system. Um, but then beyond that, like so many kids that are in university shouldn't be there. And th- what they're doing is they're wasting totally money. Agree. And yeah, we're, we're lucky here money-wise, but like yeah. you're also stunting your growth elsewhere. And so, but is it their fault? Like what were they exposed to in high school? I, it, you know, I'm sure there's great kids that you could get, you know, working here that you could train up, you know, fresh out of Sage or whatever else. They're not being exposed to this. Maybe you guys are doing a better job, but like it's it's tricky. Yeah. Like uh, I, I would not send or well, I would encourage I would discourage my child if they were about to go into university unless they're going to the STEM fields. Yeah. If there was in any. Look, I want my right doctors now, to go to university. right? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> like that part there, like STEMs, doctors, lawyers. Yeah engineers all that kind of crap uh, absolutely like yeah. go go, to, go get your degree finish it do the education system thing <clears throat> but if i like myself if i had a mini me and they were coming in <laughs> or i had the opportunity to redo what i did i wouldn't go to university yeah i think it was a complete waste of time i had horrible so, so grades when you hired how much are you looking at university i am not looking at university at all and for a couple of reasons one i find that they are they're brainwashed coming out of universities right. and the universities have gone like full blown not in every department but like the humanities they've gone full blown woke yeah like these people are this is not normal behavior no no it's not and it's like so it's everything's about like social justice it's it's like an obsession and um you it's not free you're not allowed to the most ironic thing about s- these types of people is that they claim to be for like diversity and like sure. all this type of stuff, but they're not for diversity of thought. You have to toe the line. You have to think exactly the way that they're thinking. Yep. And I would, I wouldn't hire, if I see like that type of stuff or I see, there's a profile and I get a CV, I just throw it out. Cause I don't want them coming here and then infecting the office. hundred percent. It's like, and I'm sure like one of my buddies, he works, you know, the buddy, I won't say his name, but like the company he works at, they hire a lot of students fresh out of university. Okay. 
And he's like, the culture in the office is not like what it was like six years ago. Because yeah. you're walking on eggshells all the time. Yeah. You're always going to offend fucking someone, man. Yeah, I know. I it's know. ridiculous. I know. It, and it's like, yeah, it's like the last thing I look at on the CV when I'm Same. bringing people Dude, in. I'm like, what, I actually like it when they're not. And if they come in, give a really good interview. Yeah. And I'm like, I like this well, guy. Especially in a sales role, right? It's like, of course. what does it feel like? I couldn't care less about your degree for in sales. You want to know my, you know my dream hiring? I've been pitching this for six years at our company. And it's really expensive. But I think hiring the wrong people is more expensive. Yeah. And so um, is that for everyone you hire, you say... I need you to come to Montreal. You know, maybe you do a phone screen, whatever else. I need you to come do the interview um, with me in Montreal. And so let's say they live like you'll okay, let's say they live so. in LA yeah, um, yeah. and we want to oh, hire wow. them. Okay, right. Cool. Um, and so I say, you need to come to Montreal for, for your final interview. The hiring manager has to fly to where the person lives. Yeah. And they have to book the same flight home as that person. And they're going to spend the travel day <laughs> with that person. Because I believe that if you can go through a travel day with Whoa. somebody and you see how they board a plane, when it's delayed, how do they react? What, hey, can you watch my bag? Watch someone's behavior on a full travel day. You will know all you need to know if you can work with that person. And so I've been pitching that forever. We have never done it. But I think it's I really think it'd be a great hiring practice. Yeah, that would definitely be a good hiring practice. <laughs> it would be expensive. It but, would be expensive, but, but the point you just made earlier. Getting it, it wrong is really expensive. Yeah, yeah you're not wrong. There's nothing more yeah. expensive than not closing deals. Yeah, yeah. Or like a getting employees, spending all your time. It's like, that. that is a big thing. I think I was reading a stat somewhere. So about, this is just private sector yeah. average. When you hire someone, 50% of the time, they, they don't work out. And if you can get that up to 70% of the time where so only 30% of the time it's not working out, you're saving a lot of money, a lot, huge, a lot, a lot of money. Huge. And employee turnover, like people don't realize that there's, a, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's fucking expensive. And it's frustrating too for managers. Yeah. Because they're spending time. Like imagine how it, you know, it happens. You're investing all this time yeah. into someone to try and, you know, help them grow or help them adapt to the, the system you have at your office. For us, it's like trying to teach them insurance, trying to do this, trying to do that. Yeah, and then yeah. six months later, See you later. So we've wasted, you know, it's the opportunity cost. We're trying to time invested. Done someone else. Yeah. Yeah. The, the it. managers, it's a reality. It happens. Like sure. I'm not saying you can't no, get rid you, of 100%. And you can't stop hiring because of that. No, but, of but course. If you can, if you can like yeah. you're saying, tilt those percentages a bit. Yes. Um, yeah. Which is kind of my, my, my push for what I'm saying. I know it's a bit hyperbolic what no, I'm no, saying, it's, but, it's it, but a, I think it would work. It's a good idea. Yeah. It's a very good idea. Certainly for an executive when you're hiring an executive remotely. Like I think that that's yeah. any manager. And it's like, it also puts the test on the manager. Like how sure are you of this person? Are you willing to uproot and fly for that day? You know, yeah. fly to LA and back and hang I out heard with that this, person? I heard this really badass. So it's, I, I won't say his name, but for <laughs> one of um, So he got hired by um, another company. I won't even say the industry, but he got hired by a company. It was an ex executive position. Okay. okay. He had a high position in already existing other insurance company. I just said insurance, but it doesn't matter. He already had, he had a <laughs> what industry is <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah. He had a he had a good job at another insurance company, and he was kind of flip flopping back and yep. forth because he was getting poached by this other insurance company. He didn't know what to do. He's going back and forth, back and forth in his head, back and forth. He's like, "Fuck, I really think it'd be a good opportunity, but I have all this, you know, I have a good opportunity here, and I have stability here, and this and that." So the the executive or VP, whatever, from one of the insurance companies, trying to recruit him. Goes, meet me at the airport in, in an hour, okay? Because every insurance company had offices in Toronto. So okay. he's in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. goes, I'm going to fly to you. I'm going to come see you in Montreal. So he flies there. This is the most badass thing ever. He goes, I understand exactly what you're going through right now. He goes, I'm going to tell you what the job position entails. He goes, I get the insurance company you're working at. It's a great company. He goes, you want to come work here? He goes, high risk, high reward. <laughs> it's like, you can make the decision. He goes, yeah. yes, it's a risk to come and work here, but here's the reward if this does work out. And he bounced. So came here in person, said that. Matters, right? 
And the guy goes, I took the fucking job. Yeah, of course. He's like, this is like, he's an athletic guy. He yeah, wants yeah, to want, fucking, yeah, he's yeah. like, that's the best pitch I've ever had. I, I think it would work. I, yeah. I, I want to do that one day. You should do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Okay, cool. So we got, uh, talking about that mediocrity, all this type of stuff. Um, paper. What is the vision moving forward what's the end goal i know this is a very vague question sure. it's like a philosophical question there's never an end goal because we're in business and we're maniacs but it's like what's what's the vision let's call it the the the, the near-term vision for uh for paper Co. no you know what fuck that what's the bigger vision the for bigger, paper the Co? bigger yeah, yeah. Vision. Talk, talk to me about like what's the actual what are we going after here um in the in the future so i think long term um the idea of learning needs to be divorced from school uh, because you learn stuff all the time. And so what would it be like if we were, you know, the go-to learning platform, whether, you, you know, when you start thinking about the introduction of AI and, and things like that mm -hmm. into the work that you interesting. do. Interesting, interesting. Um, yeah. And so what would it mean to have an assistant on you all the time, right? If your car tire exploded on the side of the highway, is a YouTube video going to help you or is chatting it through with someone and sending them a photo and having a coach and whatever else. And so I think longer, longer term, being able to support learning all the time. I think in-place work development is a really big opportunity for us. I think going global is a big opportunity for us. Um, but you know, today we, we still haven't scratched the surface of North America, K-12 school districts, honestly. Like, mm. And so there's still so much opportunity for, so it's, it's hard because the opportunity is so broad and vast, and yeah, you can, yeah, but yeah. you can get distracted. And so, yes, so it's hard, so we try to, to keep that. ourselves yeah, focused yeah, yeah. at the same time. Because so. you're still like, so it's not even close to, um, like you're not even, close to running out of opportunities no, no, to grow the business. Especially having like, gone through those acquisitions, we're now in all these different spaces. You know, we can compete in the literacy space like we didn't used to before. And like, and these are all different funding pockets for schools. And so, um, yeah, so it's hard. Because like long-term, like we could teach anybody anything. That mm. would be very cool. We can like be this, you know, associated with like, when I need to learn something, I turn to paper. And that's... Are you guys, would you say you're at that point now or you're teetering with it? You can see the line of maybe you're... Um, you are getting distracted from the, the vision that paper started with right now because you've like, because you've purchased all these other companies and stuff. Has it become a distraction? I don't think it's In become a distraction. Um, I think it's when you try to go out and compete and become masters of all those spaces at the same you end time, up becoming the master of nothing. Exactly. Yeah. And so <clears throat> what we've really focused, like those acquisitions weren't to stand on their own. They were to create this kind of platform together. Yeah, and yeah. so now training on the value of like, like that, what yeah. would it mean to, be reading, get stuck, and then have a tutor available to you. So you take those two products and match them together uh -huh. at the same time. So, but it, it's hard, man. It's hard because the opportunity is huge, and you just kind of you just open your eyes and you look and you like, no, we got to stay focused. We got to stay focused. The, yeah, I'd say it's one of the number. It's probably one of the top threats to our business is the you know inability to focus. We're young guys. We're we're nuts. We're uh, and there's opportunity everywhere. ADD, yeah, yeah and, you, and you chase it, and so um, so having that kind of discipline to stay focused, stay on the project, and say saying no to things, saying no to opportunities that mm. you know you could be chasing. If I was in your space, I feel like what I would go after, and again, I don't know anything about your space, so I'm, I'm completely talking out of my ass right now, but I feel like the end goal, um, would it not be to create your own university, I guess, or your own education system to basically give education sure. at a fraction of the cost of what university or college costs today? Yeah, I, I think that's a great example of something that we should and want and probably will do. And we've even thought about what if we had, you know, we called it Grade Slam University or Grade Slam U to, you know, a name back to the old name and have a physical space and all that, that also focusing on that right now will make us miss what we're trying to do today. And Got so, it. yeah, yeah. Um, cause 
there's a lot involved. You gotta go, you gotta go fight and lobby for years to become a credentialed education sit like yep. place and all. And so, oh goodness, yeah. So it's it's tough because it's like that would be the dream, right? Like for a kid to be able to go through with us instead, and um, and if and if we could prove that more like you're more likely to find you know meaningful employment after going through us, like isn't that really what it's all about at the end of the day? Yeah, and you mentioned the. Um the actual space so the uh the not the unions what was the word you just used i forget the words used but i feel like going up against um institutions like harvard or yale or like they're going to lobby against this kind of stuff because they just they make so much money but the issue with these universities that's a great space now, though like if you look at like udemy coursera like a lot of these places that do uh you know master class is really great like yeah. they're places to go in, and then i think when i see somebody that's done some like micro credentials or little credentials on, on different places like that like that's like kind that. of more interesting. I'm like sick that you learned that. Like, oh, and then if you can tell me why you learned it, even better, right? Like, and that's really, really interesting. I'm happy this is changing where it's just people. It's not all of a sudden like, oh, you didn't go to Harvard. You didn't go to Yale. You didn't go to Oxford. You didn't go to like these places here. It's like people, employers are starting to, in many cases, actually, if they see that, they don't want to hire you because oh. it comes with baggage and stuff like that. I didn't go but to, these, I mean, I didn't do any, I, I was in Oklahoma, the musical when I was in college. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. you know, it's, I wasn't doing that. Sh I was you learn learning people. I mean, you there's study a, people. There's a stat. Do you listen to the All In podcast? Uh, like a little Jamal bit. Palahapa I see. Yeah, I see. I see. You know what? I say I listen to it, but I really see TikTok clips of it. Okay. So, but, but I'll tell people I listen to it. <laughs> I'll tell people I read something when I just saw it on TikTok all the time. <laughs> Everyone says that. Yeah, I read. Yeah, I, I, think like, I read that. Yeah, I listen to your podcast. I, I know how many people listen to it on Spotify. It's not very many. All <laughs> the views come. Seriously. All the views come from the reels and like the YouTube videos. That's where all the interaction yeah, yeah, yeah. is. It's like, oh, I listen to your podcast. I'm like, oh, thanks, man. Podcast is an audio you know, format. I'm obsessed with watching the video of it. Same. I, 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 I Everybody watch YouTube. Is. I know it's so much better. Everybody is. It's so much. Why is yeah. that? I don't know. I, I think the only time people are going to listen to listen to the full audio version is if you're doing stuff. So you're going yeah, for a yeah. walk with the dog, you're working I'll, when out. I'm, if I'm biking outside, I'll, I'll do a podcast. Yeah. You shouldn't be listening to stuff while uh, you're biking. Well, you know, it's one AirPod in, one AirPod out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I won't listen to music because there's no breaks in the sound. So I worry about the cars, but yeah. I will listen to podcasts because I can still hear the cars. Do you ever listen to audiobooks? I don't. Do you I read? I don't read. I, you know, people recommend books to me. People will mail me books, and, and I you never I, read them. I, 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 they always, you know, and you should read Jacob. You should read this book. I'm like, just don't. It's a lost art, I find reading today, and I, I'm guilty myself. I don't really don't read. read. I keep saying I want to read more. I do listen to podcasts. I listen to solid, uh, and this is not exaggerating. Yep. I'd say four to six hours per week That's of uh, an educational, conversational yeah, yeah. podcast. Not like a. Like Call Her Daddy podcast. Nothing against Call Her Daddy listeners and stuff like that. I, but. I mean, look, I, I'll listen to that, but then I'll, I'll mix it in my, my fantasy football podcast. Right? Yeah, I, okay. I want to know what's going on there. And so, yeah. you know, a little bit, a little bit of this, a little bit of a little comedy. Who's yeah. your team? Kansas City. Kansas City? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they got a good team. They got a good team. Big game he's a, Monday. He's a San Francisco fan. Oh. Big, uh, big game Monday against Philly. Yeah? It'd be exciting. What's your opinion on the Taylor Swift uh, and Travis Kelsey saga? Ah, man, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you I You could care. say you don't care. Yeah, I, don't, I, it's like, <laughs> I feel like it's just like if you put all of the internet into ChatGPT and said, yeah. like, spit out the most internet story, you, that's what you would get. It, it's great. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. What am I supposed to say? It's good for the game. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's bringing more women to the sport. Like, I don't know. What, what's your, how do you even have a take on this? I don't know. It's actually hilarious because my girlfriend, she's kind of like, uh, oh, let's go watch the game. She doesn't watch football. But, but now, if when well, she's a Taylor Swift fan, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess but, that's good. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I love her music. I heard yeah, her show too. is absolutely 
I would love to go. Next love. So would I. So would I. You know what's I, I weird, it's though? Like, Everyone is, like, more than the show, the industry around buying and selling her tickets. I have a lot of friends that, yeah. are, do, that are just, their, their game is to buy the tickets and then sell the tickets and I then know, make the crazy. money on it. I know. It's crazy. I think in New York, some of the tickets, I, th- I think the cheapest ticket was like $1,000. And you're in the nosebleeds. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not seeing her. It's not like that. So she just launched. Uh, there's tickets in Vancouver for December 2024. I know this because of my girlfriend. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> she bought tickets for that. I was actually surprised at how cheap they were. Well, cheap. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's up near the stage. I think it was like $400 each. Yeah, that's not, not bad, bad for a Taylor yeah, Swift it's not concert. No. I mean, you're doing that in New York or uh, L.A. For sure. L.A., I bet you that's like that's so five, yeah. ten grand. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, something like that. Yeah, anything else you want to talk about paper or stuff like that? I mean, I, I think... Do you, guys, do you guys have plans to... It's a private company private for now, company. right? Yeah. So, oh, here, I got a question for you. So you guys had a big, um, a big fundraising round. Yep. You raised... Uh, it was on the internet, so it's obviously public. So it was <laughs> $270 million. That was our Series D, yeah. That's a lot of money. U- USD. Jesus. And are you? who are most of these investors, if you're allowed to say? And also the next question after that, do you guys have plans to go public eventually? I think we have goals, not plans to go public. Because going public, right, is just another funding source yeah. uh, for you. And so it's, are you timed in position to go public and be successful public? I think we've seen this last year, a lot of companies go public and fail at going public afterwards. Yeah. And so that's the last thing we want to do. Um, but I think long term, right? Like, like that's our, that is the dream is to be able to do that and become successful as a public company. You know, all those employees that have equity in the company that joined on equity, what, what that would mean for them. I think that's that's huge. Uh, and the investors. So we uh, have had a different lead for every round that we've done. Series A, B, C and D. Um, it's all venture firms. You watch We Crashed? You, ever, you watch that, yes. that show? Oh, yeah. That's a good show. Yes. Bit of a scary tale as if you're a guy in a startup, though. I'll tell you that. It's uh, Yeah, WeWork is, well, it was the dumbest idea to begin with. I right. mean, it's basically, like, let's just go spend a bunch of money on Betterments, tie ourselves into these leases that are enormous, and then just rent it back. But like, That's the, how good that guy was at sales, though. He was, but it was also the frenzy going on in the market. Right. I think of it course, was a perfect storm and perfect stuff storms. like that. Really? But it's it, that's one of those tales you watch as some you know we've been you know hypercapitalized and so you 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 yeah. you're careful when you watch stuff like that. Yeah, and there's just a lack of due diligence. Like one of my buddies, he was insuring a company and they were trying to go public. Now they're not going to go public. And I think also too a lot of times when they go, oh, the environment wasn't right to go public. I think they're also a little bit afraid because the market is going to get a real look underneath the hood. And I think they're just lying to themselves and they're probably what they're probably saying to themselves is the market's probably going to tell us that the company's not worth as much as we think it's worth. Right. There's bodies. And, mo- and most of the time that's what's going to happen. And sometimes it goes the opposite way, but like right now in the stock market, I love following the stock market, but like the stock market right now, they want profits. Yeah. You know, they want growth obviously too, but you need to be profitable. Um, unless you're growing like two, 300% per year, then they don't care that much, but you still can't be burning a fucking shit ton of cash. Yeah. Like they're not going to be giving you money. Not like two years ago. No, not like two years ago. Well, you know this better than I would. Yeah. So it's like right now. So when did you get this series D you just got? Like this was what? Six months ago, five months ago? No, like a year, like a, year a year, a little over a year ago. A little over a year yeah. ago. Okay. So no, there maybe were more, maybe almost two years, like a year and a half. Ago. Okay. So yeah, they were just, just, just probably just about to turn their mindset yeah, of yeah. going like, okay, do you think that you would have gotten that? same amount of money today it's a good question and this I, isn't I, a I, don't, knock. I don't think so because the multiples are down um today yeah. so I, I think your multiples of arr right um, yeah so uh i think probably not just looking at the multiples out in the market our company's grown right? you know we've doubled in arr since then but i think even when you follow the multiples probably not 
That's crazy. What, yeah. what, what's what's like for a, a tech company? What is the for those that are listening? ARR is annual recurring revenue. What what's a multiple um, of what a company would go for for their ARR? So I was watching, you know, I was I was watching the All In podcast, aka a clip yesterday, and <laughs> and they um, they were saying that there's all these companies that are doing three to five x ARR right now, um, whereas you know earlier there had been up, I'd seen thirty x uh, ARR at certain points, and so I think the the, the real, like anything, the real answer is in the middle somewhere there, you know, and it depends on the company and, and the space that you're in and the growth rate and whatever else. Because if your ARR is flat, and you're not growing, then you're not going to get one of those bigger multiples. Three to five ARR, that's actually insurance. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's insurance. And insur insurance is not as scalable yeah. as a SaaS product or a tech product. Yeah. If you really, really, really want to like scale, like fucking scale, the only way to do it is, is to buy. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, that's why private equity is very, very, very big in the space. Private yeah, equity is like, yeah. um, like VC. This is something I learned not too long ago. I didn't know this because I asked one of my buddies, I'm like, what's the difference between private equity and VC firms? I'm like, they're both investing, injecting cash into a company, taking equity. What's the difference? And the guy goes, VCs are looking for like that, you know, that unicorn. They yeah. want to have like that scalability. They want to have 100% plus growth per year. They don't care as much about profits right away. Private equity, he's it's more on the 100% less, in, so doubling the, the company or less percentage growth per year. And they're more after profits immediately. So it's like the nice thing about insurance is that um, the private equity people, if they come in, they're basically just fucking mastermind operators. That's right. They'll come in, they'll buy, they will trim the fat, they will just make it run more smooth. But the issue right now going on it's good for people like me. There's so much consolidation in the market of insurance hmm. that al allows people like myself, we're only 32 employees. Okay. It's easier for me to go and get new business, especially in commercial insurance, because it's so big and they've lost that personalization. Interesting. They've lost that, that, that go see the clients go. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's like clients are, are underserved. Yeah. And I mean, it's not the fault of the CEO. I mean, if you're running, if there's a client. Then there's a math equation to underserve. Of, of there, there's course. deliberate underserving because it doesn't cost as much as they're saving. And exactly. that's, it's very simple. Yes. And so, but, but it's like, what do you want to do? You know, for me, it's also like, what do, what do I want to do with my days? You know, it's like, yeah. my life. it's like, I don't know if I want to work in a place like that. I like serving a client. I like doing Same. something that's not scalable every once in a while. And it's, yeah. it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's human. Is yours, would you say that your company is super scalable? It sounds like it's super scalable. It's, it's scalable. Um, and, but we're still in the VC world. And so our VCs, yeah. of course, you know, support, and they sit in our board, they, they, um, they're pushing us to be, you know, capital efficient and, and operate well. And we were very selective with which uh, VCs we brought in that brought different skill sets that had taken different companies in different directions. Cause ultimately they're, they're really coaches for us. Like I have real, I can call up any of them and get coaching anytime I need. It's, it's really, really nice. Um, how hands on are they? When needed, right? You know, so when we're we're trying to hire a new executive, they'll they'll really help with that. Or we're trying to you know move our financial model um, in a different direction, they'll bring in a bunch of their associates to help out with that when needed. But also, th there's a big amount of trust. There's a lot of like, okay, you guys go figure that out. We'll see you afterwards. But them being critical is not the opposite of, of great. Them being indifferent is when you're in trouble. When they uh, stop, when they when they're not at the board meeting, when they're not caring anymore, you want them to be on your ass. You, like that's part. Of, that means that they're still in it with you. What's your opinion on consultants? <laughs> well, I just, I, I don't know. Yeah, you had my buddy Jeff on here, and he's a consultant. Uh, but it's like so. it's it's really funny. I don't know where this came from. I find it hilarious. But like social media, maybe because I get business video content yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Social media has just been hammering consultants. I, I, I think it, again, you know, overblown a little bit. Yeah, um, probably. I, I was speaking at a, a McGill uh, Diesel Hotel event last week, and. Um, 
all these all these kids 90 percent of the room wants to be kpmg deloitte <laughs> right all that stuff uh and and good for them if that's what they want to do yeah. couldn't pay me to do it um but they yeah. had a guy from accenture speak and he was awesome and um and i asked him you know when they were doing the q a i was like what's the worst thing that people have ever told you about consultants and he's just like he's how much time do you have right so i think there is a culture around that there's the oh my god they're here they're cutting our company down and so i i think that you know, we ha we've worked with some consultants. I think the long-term ones are the best. I've had some that I've worked with. I have a sales consultant I've worked with for six years. He knows my team. He knows our process. He knows the ups and downs. And like when I meet with him every two weeks, it, it's it's just so valuable because he has the context versus the ones that come in, they do a two, four month or week stint. They get their cash, they get out. I, I, that it's yeah, like- Yeah, a lot of times too, it's just like I find I'm not a, maybe I'll use a consultant one day. I don't know. I've never used a consultant up until now, but I feel like a lot of times they will come in. So let's take a McKinsey, for example. Sure. They'll come in, they will do what the founders or CEO or leadership of the company doesn't have the balls to do. So they'll come in and like, they will know if they need to sure. fire people or not. Yep. They know. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times McKinsey's like, okay, well, your profit, your EBITDA margins, you're at uh, 20%. You need to get to 30%. Well, first thing you're so going to yeah. do, you're going to fire a bunch of people. And then the CEO is going to be like, well, uh, it wasn't me. It was the, these people that did it. It's emotional, right? It's handing, it off, it's handing off the emotional part of it a little bit. Um, yeah. And I feel like also too, it's, and I can relate because if you're the founder, especially if you're the one that built it all up, like you do have a certain level of attachment to these people. There's an emotional attachment. It's like the saying goes, you always want to think with your head, not your heart. But when if, you, if some of those people have been there for the whole journey and they've actually been trying to, contribute to the yeah. the company it's uh, it is very tough emotionally you're like fuck i gotta get rid of these people man i'm sure it's a very challenging thing to do i've never had to do mass layoffs thank god i hope i never have to but it looks like it fucking sucks it's and I, I but it's i don't i don't like though when i see these people or these ceos or see like a lot of them they don't have the fucking cojones to walk in give it face to face they do it over a fucking phone call or something sure. like that it's like yo dude give them the respect yeah you're gonna get eaten alive they're gonna be pissed they're gonna say go fuck yourself be a man or a woman and do it face to face. That that that's my opinion on on that type of stuff. I hate when I see corporate America and it's just a bunch of people. Like er, earlier this year, when all those calls were getting leaked, like the different uh, the different layoff calls that you ever see a bunch of those. Yeah, those those are those are pretty bad. <laughs> They're pretty bad, and I mean, I guess in a remote environment, it is a little easier said, said than done. Like I'm, I'm being critical of of. There's the, logistics. You're not going to fly everyone in. No, for, you're for not, and, and pay <laughs> for. You're trying to cut costs. You're going to pay a million dollars to get sure. everyone in and do like you're no, not going to do that. It's tricky. But if you're the leader of an office. You should be doing it face to face. 100%, 100%. I had this, my buddy told me this story, Andy Roy, uh, God rest his soul. He's, he's not with us anymore. He passed away um, like about a year ago, a year and a half ago. Uh, weird way to pass out. He had like a brain aneurysm or something. Oh, wow. He wasn't that old. He was like 60, mid 60s. But anyways, he had a buddy and he went to go work at CN, the railway yeah, company. Yeah. And he was specifically there to go just one after the other, just fire all the, there was a lot clean of house. clean house, but I'm like, man, for he fired 600 people uh, over the course of a year, but one by one face to face. Wow. And I'm like, was this guy a psychopath, Andy? And he goes, no, he loved it. I'm like, okay, well, so yeah, he was a psychopath. He goes, no, the people that he was firing, there's the opposite side too. He goes, he had no problem firing any of these executives or higher level positions because they had developed this. They were comfortable, entitled, didn't really do any work. Sure. 
And there are zombie companies that get to this point and there's a lot of people that come in and it's like, you can ask this person what they do. They probably can't answer the question. It's like, okay, do you do anything here? <laughs> so he was firing or attempting to fire office space where they, where they bring know. in their consultants and they're like, what do you do here? And they're like, oh, not much. <laughs> and they're just like, what the hell? Yeah. It's, it's that. And, but I think it happened. But yeah. I think, I don't know. It's a, it's, there's no good way to do it. I think no. anything that's not genuine is going to smell it like that. And yeah. so you just, you better off just being genuine with this stuff. And they're going to be mad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes they'll pretend to be mad and they won't actually be mad. And in their head, sometimes they'll just say it out loud. I've never had this, but I've heard like people have had, uh, that have told me this. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck, what took you so long? <laughs> like, they know they're going to get fired. I've never they're had that. I've they're never trying had to that. get fired. I've never had that. That's, <laughs> yeah. That sounds pretty funny. <laughs> or like quiet quitting and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, they're like, yeah, 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 I haven't, I haven't Makes worked. Sense. Yeah. <laughs> Good have, call. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. I, I checked out like a month ago, bro. It took you a month. <laughs> cool. See you later. <laughs> They're already employed somewhere else. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I, yeah, I had one of that where I was like, this guy definitely has another job. It was like the start of COVID and there For was sure. a lot of people doing that. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. <laughs> perfect <laughs> segue. Work oh, from no. home. Work oh, from here home. we go. Work from home. Your hot button. You should change the name of the podcast. Yeah, work from home, <laughs> bro. It's like really starting to. Uh, I lost sleep over it the other night. It's okay. fucking bothering me. What a part? Because well, I, I come I in here, I work we have from this, home. So we're, we're we have this big space, and there's not enough people in here. And mind you, we hired some people, and they they do a great job overall. Yep. Uh, that don't live in Montreal. Sure. Some live in Sherbrooke. One guy lives in North Shore. Like there's the the girl that lives, and she she's great. She's fantastic. She's not gonna drive two hours every day to get to work. It's not gonna of happen. Course. So there are realities. I'd like to have it somewhere in the middle. But when I walk in here to this big, beautiful office that we rented two years ago and have a golf simulator for, for looking to work in insurance called Contact Curtis Killen. Um, yeah, it's, it, it bothers me. I'm sure. I'm sure. So what's, what's your opinion on, on work from home? So, I, so for us, I'll, I can only really share for, for us. No um, we need to have people hired in many different markets. You know, the Palm Beach thing I'm telling you about before. So we need people all over the place. So they obviously logistically can't work from it, mm -hmm. but we need to get people together as often as possible mm -hmm. or our culture completely rots. Yeah. Um, and so we invest, so we're a remote first company, hybrid company um, that invests a ton of time and money into in-person gatherings, in-person experiences. So, um, you know, I, I think I was telling you before, like we have an office here in Montreal, we have an office in Vegas. Um, and so, you know, yesterday our office here was full and we had a snack set afterwards. And so, but during the day you get those amazing moments of that person who you're not going to schedule a zoom call with home to home 30 minutes who just walks by you and Hey Jacob, I was wondering about that thing. Oh yeah. Hey, pop in here for five minutes and you solve an issue, right? Kind of those passerby issues. And that, that's the magic of it. Right. And that's like the, the re um, seeding of the culture. But then at some of our bigger events, when we want to get everybody together who live in, you know, Montana or San Francisco or wherever, um, then we'll give a bit of notice and say, hey, we're going to do, you know, what we call it an office takeover. Um, and so our offices are deliberately bigger than they need to be. They have a ton of breakout rooms. They're, you know, the walls are whiteboards, like they're built for to be collaborative spaces. Uh, and so we'll fly everybody into, you know, Vegas. We did a customer office takeover a month ago, and then we did uh, PE, which is product engineering office takeover uh, two weeks after that. And so for four nights, flew everybody in. We've got this great deal with this like little hotel, airport hotel, not, fa we're not, we're not Caesars here or anything like that. We're in Vegas. Uh, it shares a parking lot with our office and we just work from that office each day and we have some programming, some guest speakers. 
And so what that does is everyone has those moments, they rebuild the culture, and now your online experience is better, but it's not gonna stay that way. It starts to detract again, so we're already planning the next one, right? How are we gonna do this How again? often do you do these events? So often as we can afford. Um, and it's yeah. also a question of how often can, like, can you afford to not do it? It's kind of that, that same argument. How, how um, expensive is an event? How many employees are you? So at, at one of these, we'll bring between 50 and 100 people together at a time. Okay. Um, and so, so it's costing... So you're depending on the flights and whatever else, 100, 200 grand uh, yeah, to do this yeah. every time. Yeah. Um, but it's the cost of one and a half yeah, yeah, bad yeah. hires, right? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and so... Fair enough. Um, and so... So you got to do it. I, I think it's That's important a good way to look at it. I, I think you got to do it. I, I think it's an important thing to do. It's really fun. Uh, people talk about it. It builds, it, it strengthens that thing. And so like, we really, really believe that at the end of the day, it's not even your comp plan or, or, or anything else. The hours you're supposed to work, that's going to keep you motivated. It's going to make that extra call, whatever it's working else towards a common goal. It's the people that are next and, to you. It's like, who that, else yeah. are you letting down? Right. Yeah. Who, how much do you care about those around you? Right. They got when, yeah. when I, when I worked here, when we had no salaries, like we had nothing else at all. It was because of the people sitting next to me. And so how do you recreate that in a virtual environment? It's not through virtual sank assets and Kahoot games online no. and all that shit. No, it's not. It's through having these in-person experiences. And, in the and how often are you guys doing the in-person experiences? So I get the, yeah, the, yeah, big, yeah. the big uh, corporate company event is yeah, just yeah. like once, twice a year. Like ish. Yeah, we try to go quarterly. Uh, we try to get people. Quarterly. And then I, I try to. Um, I try to get out. I, I travel probably twice to three times a month. And each time I'm doing it, I'm with, you know, one of my reps or one of my team members or something like that. Um, when we're at a conference, right, we get to be all together again. So it's like, you're looking for these different moments. Cause it, it just buys you another couple of weeks of working at home. Cause man, it could be grueling. It's dark at 3 PM here. It's you're gross. sitting at home. It's, gross. It, it's brutal. Right. Yeah, and so, um, so yeah. you have to have it. Uh, so what about the people that don't show up to the events? pretty clear you know barring a, a, a pregnancy a travel issue whatever else um where they stand it's pretty clear where they stand it's mm -hmm. it's it's a bit of a political statement you know and mm -hmm. um and there's those because who you, are, you, you know you're employee number 10 so yeah, you're, yeah. you're a spokesperson you're a leader in the company sure. you're gonna have that everything you're saying right now is just spewing i'm a leader in the company you obviously clearly enjoy where you're working yeah. and you're you're the guy trying to get people to the event yeah yeah so that's why i asked you the question what about the people when they don't come to the events like what's what 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 goes through your mind like again i it almost goes through my mind i'm like man what we do is pretty hard like are you sure you want to do this like isn't like this is to me this is what i look forward to is like it's not like the requirement it's like yeah. this is what this is the payoff this and is then the, there's just to play sick. devil's advocate because uh, some of them they're going to have the attitude of buddy I'm here nine to five to get paid. I don't fucking care about this. I'm here. I don't to think we hire those people. We try not to hire. And I think we figure out if we have that when that happens. Mm. And so like people always ask me like, what's the culture of the company? Why have you stayed here? You know, this and that. And like the, the answer that I give is that I grew up like whether it was in my English class or playing volleyball in gym or at parks program or whatever else, I always just gave a shit. I like cared even when I wasn't being paid to care. And sometimes you get ridiculed for that when you're younger, you get kind of made fun of, why do you care about this so much? Why do you like, why are you taking this so seriously? And then you find like a tribe of people that are all that person and men, like that is fun. And so when you find someone that's like, this person doesn't care at all, like ugh, it really, it sticks out. Like you can, you can feel it in the room. It's, it's really, really strange. Hmm. Have you ever taken, okay, so let's say someone's on your sales team and you can tell they're not engaged. Yeah. They don't come to the company events. So now it's, they're confirming that they're not engaged. What's going through your mind when you go to work the next week? Depends, right? Or is this person killing it? Unlikely. 
Um, what, what, Highly unlikely. What are, what are the numbers? Like, right? <laughs> um, you yeah, know, that's a good point too. Well, they're killing it. I don't do anything, Curtis. <laughs> yeah, well, look, they're, they're 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 smashing their numbers, and this is how they like to operate. And maybe they're older in their career. They have a family, whatever else. Yeah. You know, different strokes, I suppose. You know, but 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 at the end of the day, when things get really tough, right, and we go through a harder time, and we need to lean on culture more, I don't know that I'm going to be able to lean on that person. And so it definitely sticks in my mind. How it yeah, it's it's not, and again, like I'm not. People are probably thinking that I'm knocking, like you gotta go to all the company events and stuff. I'm not knocking that. It just it sends a signal, and I know what I'm getting. Look, and, and I think it's you have to understand the investment that's being made. And I think our our people that are here and 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 are you know everyone's so culturally aligned. It's like nearly culty, I'd say. Yeah. Um, they understand that like I'm gonna get to sit there with the founder or with me or one of the other early people and get direct from the horse's mouth like what we're trying to be doing here and like yeah. they see that as like okay for their career like I, I I would pay my own way to go to this and so yeah. that that's really the majority of it we we've done a really good job um, protecting that culture inside the company um, and I think a lot of people like have had it somewhere else whether they were on a hockey team like. We have, you know, a, a few parks people like that's very culty as well. Or like yeah. there's different places that people come from that like that strong sense of community is for them their motivator and they, they need to be part of a strong sense of community. Yeah, I think that's very important. I, I my, my opinion on the work from home stuff, I think it's absolutely like I think it's terrible long run. And I think over time, the companies that do prioritize getting people back into the office. I mean, so th this is the analogy that I, I always give. If you're. I don't think anyone's going to debate anymore that in the aggregate, people are more productive working from home than in the office. Right. I don't think anyone's going to debate that. Fair. And if you do debate that, I think you're an idiot. So it's like, <laughs> so that's number one. But over time, if, so let's say you're, let's even just say 5% more productive yeah. when you're working in the office. I think it's more than that, but let's just go with five. Well, 5% compounded over the next sure. five years, then try over the next 10 years, you're gonna be so far ahead of your competitors that are doing this 100% work from home stuff, that's not even gonna matter. I do a lot of hybrid days, because I live close to the office. Yeah. Um, so like yesterday, I worked from the where, where, Where's your office? Uh, we're Park in Sherbrooke, like right, okay. right next to McGill. Okay. And um, I live in NDG, so I NDG, just bike nice. there. Um, cool. And so, um, but like yesterday, I had two very important sales meetings that like, I need to be really, really sharp. And my home office is very nicely set up. Like it, to me, it's a stage. And like, I have a, I have a routine. I'm up early, coffee, water, workout, shower, get dressed. And then I'm, are you I'm, a cold plunge guy? No, I'm not a cold plunge guy, not but, yet. but, but I'm, no, not yet, not yet. <laughs> but, but I, you know, I've tried to do the cold shower thing and I'm like, fuck this. Um, but, but no, but like I have a regimen to get ready for these presentations. Cause yeah. like that's the highest leverage moment that I can be in. And so yeah. For me, it's like I need to be in that focus area and then I'll go into the office and I'll be the, the leader for the rest of the day. And so for like, I love a hybrid day when I can pull it off. Interesting. So like it, it'll like it's like before a, a big sports game or something, you got to get exactly in the zone. Like you that. have your routine to get into the zone. You do your thing. If I have like, a presentation okay. at 10, like that's really important. I, I'm not taking a meeting from nine to 10. It's, I don't care how important it is internally. The most important thing I can do is deliver at that 10 o'clock. It's it, it disproportionately important. I'd rather be like well slept than, than you know, something. You have to treat it. You know, it uh, we're in high ticket sales and there is a moment, there's a crucible moment in every deal where it's a yes or a no. And if it's that moment and I'm the one giving the, the big pitch, like it's more important that I did my 45 minute bike ride that morning than it is that I went to some meeting at nine. Have you guys gotten through any big crisis, crises, crises? I'm talking, you walk in, you're like, fuck, I don't know if this company's going to be around in a month. And you had to come up with something drastic. You had to raise more money. You had to, have you lived through something like that? You could say not, not really, not, not really, particular, yeah. not, not really, but, but not in the sense that it's always been good to go. I feel like there's, 
we kind of operate on a at any point this could be taken away from us uh, like i think today we still operate that way we like uh, we operate like we don't fly we don't fly first class to these places we're not we're not on private jet like we took lynx air down to i don't know if you've ever taken lynx air but it's like uh-uh. It's basically like, you know, wor- like it's worse than spirit, but we call it, we call spirit. it, we call it Lynx luxury. There's no Wi-Fi, there's no TVs, there's no waters, there's no food service. Like, it's, and, but it's like, I don't know, like having a bit of that, you know, if you watch the all in podcast, that austerity measures, like having that yeah. mindset um, and staying in it. Like, I, I just think that's how you like keep the itch and you keep the hunger in what you're doing. Cause otherwise you get fucking bloated. Yeah. Culturally. Yeah. And a lot of companies are like that right now. So you kind of have to live a little bit in crisis mode at all times. So, yeah. and, and so we look for people that can handle that. Like, I think everybody in the world has a different degree of, th- they could be having the same issue, but for some person it's debilitating. They have to take two weeks off and someone that's just what's between nine and nine Oh five that day. And so we're looking for people that have a pretty good uh, crisis threshold. Yeah. They, they can a high operate. tolerance. Yeah. You can operate in it. It's like, man, like, four bad things or 10 bad things are going to happen to me today. I'm sure it's on my phone right now. Two bad things have happened, but like as long as like the same amount plus one of good happens every day, we probably are moving forward. That's what uh, I found this so eye opening the way Mark Zuckerberg, he was talking to, you think I'm like Mark. I agree. No, I've always (laughs) thought that I get that all the time. (laughs) No, but it just made me think about that. You're like, ah, probably two bad things have happened by now. And so it was on Joe Rogan podcast or Lex Friedman, one of the big podcasts, Sure, but he's talking and he goes, yeah, like when I wake up in the morning, you know, Facebook International Company, it's, yeah, yeah. it's Facebook. Everyone knows Facebook or Meta or whatever. He wakes up late to work every day. And, yeah. And so he goes, he'll wake up and he goes, you know, I'll go look at my phone. And if I have messages, he goes, it's generally never good news. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and just in my head, I'm like, fuck, this guy wakes up to that every day. And, but he just seems so accepting to it, which obviously is the way you have to be, or you're not going to be able to you're not gonna be able to do that job. And so it's like such a mindset and the guy does stuff. He obviously is a healthy individual. He does his jujitsu. Yep. I'm sure he eats very well. I'm sure he, but he was just the way he was talking. He was so regimented with his thoughts and just gauging and keeping himself calm or so it seems. And I'm sure there's days where he wakes up and he's fucking like, holy shit, I'm fucking stressed. Like this is yeah. not good. And, um, but I'm sure he has a lot of, of coping mechanisms. Well, one of the sayings that, that like I've, brought to our company is everything that blows up blows over yeah and so you can't kind of can't like yeah. freak out or whatever. like there's you're already going to be on to the next thing like yeah. and so you have to move on and um but i think you know he, i'm sure he's got an amazing team around him and we've yeah. done we've done similar i i've been so lucky like i have a um like an executive coach who's a like world-class psychologist that i get to meet with that like he just works on me and reacting to those situations That's and awesome. like building that calmness or whatever else yeah. and so you have to invest around it you have to like that when I think about like benefits to offer employees, like it's stuff around that actually we, we need to offer. Mm-hmm. It's not the cookies. In the office. So do you treat, it sounds like you treat this almost like a, a sports league. Yeah. The money's nice. I'm sure, sure. it's like m- money is obviously part of it, but yeah. the, the, what, what motivates you more than the salary? It's that it's, it's, it's the success. It's like finding a success in something where it wasn't there before. Um, and so it, it, we do treat it like, you know, going pro um, or going pro as a, athlete or, or as an actor or whatever else and so it's like we, we hold ourselves without that level of standards right like we run trainings with our team on that level of standard we we I, we've been you know reporting like a public business to our board for six years 
even mm-hmm. though like we, we because you just you just hold yourself to that level so that when it comes you know when the di- like not the moments haven't been too big for us because we've always kind of been preparing for it and so like i said that's really not for everybody like we've, had, we've brought in people who are brilliant who they've got in and gone like what the fuck is wrong with you guys really? um yeah it's okay it, it happens it is it is it is yeah. and so it's a really unique thing but you know what i bet that wouldn't have happened if you hopped on a plane with them and took the plane That's back. That's right. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. It's true, man. It's true. I'm, I'm gonna pull it off one time. I'm gonna hire someone <laughs> on it. It's gonna be the best hire I ever make in my life. You know what? We should honestly clip that, and I bet you someone will see it. It's gonna go viral. First of all, viral, huge. And I won't even some be able to executive, walk some executive is gonna be on TikTok, and he's gonna go like, "Man, uh, this uh, these damn Canadians. I saw this <laughs> clip, and I did it. Holy shit, it works." He's gonna go. I think so. <laughs> I think so. Does everybody here listen to every episode? No. Come on. No. I, 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 you're the boss here. If I'm walking by you in the office, I'm, I'm having that thing. Mem- I'll put it on two, two speeds. I'm not listening to this thing raw. Yeah, yeah. And, but you, you got to know because then I'm seeing you in the kitchen. I'm working it in. No one. Come on. I th- there's a couple guys that listen to and it's tough to listen to like an hour and a half podcast. I don't expect them to. They, I'm sure they see the clips and stuff like my that. Boss, my boss does a podcast. Every, I'm listening to that podcast. Yeah, but your your boss is uh, well. I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But like, not if I've hi- I haven't look. It's it's episode number forty. Fair. So fair. I don't expect them to listen to every episode. And sometimes too, I like, but I do enjoy getting the feedback. So Claudia, she'll listen to. She's like a she's my partner out in uh, Ottawa. She runs the Ottawa office. Interesting town, <laughs> and uh, not a bad town. Interesting town, interesting different town, from Montreal. And she goes, uh, she'll tell me awesome episode. She'll text me. And then if she doesn't text me, I'll ask her, what'd you think of that one? She goes, yeah, it was boring. It was a really wow. bad episode or stuff. But I, I like that. This one's not going to be good for her. She's not going to like <laughs> it. This is no good. Jacob, that's a perfect, this is a perfect place to leave it. All right. We'll leave it here. I, I really appreciate you coming on. This is great, man. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah. It's great uh, to I talk really, about this stuff. I enjoyed your conversation. You as well. And um, it's very clear to see that you're enthusiastic about <laughs> what it is that you do. Any last plugs you want to make before we close up here? Last plugs, uh, you know, I had a bunch of people text me to shout them out. I didn't really shout any of them out, uh, <laughs> so I'm not going to do it. Uh, but you know, shout out Jeff Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's no, he, don't, he gets enough. He's already been on the show. He's I know, not, I know, I know. Before me, okay. it's uh, yeah, yeah. no good. Yeah. No, it's all good, man. I appreciate it. Congrats on what you're doing here. Thanks, Congrats man. on one year almost. You'll make it there. And yeah, uh, yeah. I, if you ever need me again, happy to answer stuff. And uh, let's go for a beer sometime. I will. That, that I would like that. We should go grab a beer. Let's do it. This is the Freeman Podcast. I'm Curtis Killen. Thanks for joining in. See you next time.